Okay, I'm scared. I'm not as prepared as I wanted to be. I only watched it once. That's okay. <laughs> and I don't have... You crazy lady, you're fine. I have some notes. So we're just going to wing it. Lois and Clark is our We're talking about Terry D and Superman. We'll cover it all. At least we'll do what we can. And now it's time for the show. What a show. And welcome back to Lois and Clark to the new podcast of Superman. I'm Matt Truex. And somehow I'm joined once again by Miss Daisha Kimler. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Good. You're a glutton for punishment. I can't believe you're doing this again. I know. I don't know why I'm doing it either. (laughs) (laughs) The show's so good. I just couldn't get enough. It was that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that. It's just the show. Not my love for you. (laughs) God, I must love you. So. (laughs) No, it's. You, you were the one that pointed out to me, because I've been recording so out of order, it's not even funny, but you're the one that pointed out to me, like, aren't I coming on, like, two weeks after your last episode? But, like, that's, let's say that's how much the fans were clamoring for Matt, more Stasia, please. Yeah, we're going to pretend that's true, because what's really going to happen is you're going to put out the first one. And people are going to be like, who the heck? She, does she even understand who Superman is? And no is the answer to that question. And then she's back again? What? This podcast is really going down. And she likes so. this one even less. I don't understand. I assume. I just have to assume. You know, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I liked it less. I, I might have liked it more. I've never I liked have, Clark I have Kent some strong less. opinions. Uh, you, you know, you set me up to think he was going to be worse than he was. Okay. So maybe my expectations for him were too low. Sure. So that's the way to do it too, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I like to do with all my guests. Just like basement those expectations. So they come in and they're like, well, like actors said lines and they cut it together and put music on it. So when the bar is low, all I have to do is just roll over it. Right, right, right. I think he did that. So. And that's gotten us through four seasons of a podcast so far, you know? So mm. we're also like in the end times here for the podcast. It's really weird, but it just like, it's like slowly kind of hitting me as I'm, I'm booking people for their last episodes that like, mm-hmm. oh shit, we're almost done. Like this is episode. How much is left? This is episode 410 and there's 22 in this season. So there's, there's 12 more like legit episodes after this. We've got some dumb shit planned. Um, sure. So there'll be more episodes of the podcast than that. But like the end is near and I'm, I, I kind of like booking a certain guest yesterday for like the last time um, who has been with me since season one. I had a bit of like, not senioritis, but like, oh, <laughs> this is the last class I'm going to have. You know, like that some, type of thing. Yeah, some nostalgia, some, some wistful. Yeah, but I'm, I'm so glad. That you got to be such a big part of the show in the last season. I feel like a big part. I feel like I am the highlight reel of season four. I don't know. I, exactly. Everyone else can decide that. Most requested. I know it already. <laughs> um, but we're here talking about 410, Stop the Presses, uh, aired December 8th, 1996. Not the last one before um, the break that year, but almost. Written by Brad Kern, who I have many mixed opinions about. And directed by Peter Ellis, who I know nothing about. Um, Brad Kern mean anything to you, producer, writer? Does not. 
Um, so he he was a big player in the end season of Lois and Clark here, and then come like season two or three of we're talking about this again on one of your episodes of Charmed, he took over that show, and um, basically like spent six years trying to get Alyssa Milano in as little close as possible, uh, and then had some not me too, but like you're an asshole boss and a sexist stuff come out on him recently a couple of years ago uh, when he was working on one of the NCIS shows. So it was just like the minute those allegations came out, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense for the, the guy I've been watching his shows, you know, like mm. the guy that's worked on these shows. So it's just like, it's weird when he pops up because he was such a big name in my childhood because I was such a massive charmed pa- fan for a short time. Um, but here he is just writing, uh, what I think is actually a really good episode for Lois Lane. Well, what, that's interesting. I totally disagree, but really what you just said makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> based on my opinions of Lois in this episode of Lois. Mm-hmm. Okay. None of it is her fault. It is the writing, which we'll get into it. I, I, I agree. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Okay. Before we jump right in here, just have to check in with the ratings. Last time you were here, but two episodes ago, uh, Bob and Carol and Lois and Clark, we had 12.1 million viewers in the U.S. For this episode, it went up a little in between for arguably the worst episode of the series somehow, but it had um, Drew Carey and uh, Mimi from the Drew Carey show, whatever that actress's name is, who I forget. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. hor- horrible episode, but like I'm sure they, they sold it on like fucking these people you know these people mm-hmm. um and then that like little bump in people went right back down so we're basically back to where we were before with uh, 12.2 million viewers this is the last time we will have that many people watching this show <laughs> oh interesting. interesting after the christmas episode coming up it doesn't even get into like double digits of millions wow for the last so episode. maybe this episode is really it where people were like you know what the show sucks yeah, i'm not <laughs> i'm not feeling this anymore at all yeah it kind of yeah. is so with that said again i think it's kind of like a weird hidden gem of this season but i, I can't wait to get into it with you Let, let's just jump right in here um we start of course with the daily planet um lois and clark coming in already talking about some cyber hacker that disappeared the michael jordan of hackers eric press um <laughs> And, uh, you know, Jimmy is, is super into him and Lois and Clark couldn't give a shit. But then, like, all of a sudden, who gives a shit character? Ralph has some lines and tells us that Perry's been promoted to corporate. So, like, Lois and Clark are going to replace him. Like, they jump into this so quickly here. I Well, I have to say, there's no, like, foreplay before the exposition. Yeah. It's, it's like... Uh, here are all the facts you need to know. Fact, 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 fact. Oh, let's do a hard right pivot into, hey, here's the other plot that we're going to talk about with the promotion in the air. And it's like, right. I had whiplash from it. I understand. Because even like, you know, quote unquote, the foreplay before this promotion story is setting up the shit that we're going to be following for the rest of the episode too, you know? Yeah. They just didn't waste a beat. Um, what I do like is... I mean, how this all comes out. First, Lois and Clark have a, like, predictable, well, what are we going to do if one of us gets it and the other one, like, how are we going to handle that? I like that it's Lois that asks that question 
because in my mind, like she would be the most devastated if she didn't get it. But yes, agreed. Start. I'm, also, I'm just like not knowing the rest of the episode. Starting off, I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. Because like, well, this my is... immediate question is, why is it between Lois and Clark? And no maybe this is because fucking clue. Okay, so it's not me not having watched the whole beginning no. first now, four seasons. Because go ahead. From my understanding, she has been there longer. Mm-hmm. She's more experienced. Mm-hmm. She's you know she's actually the. I don't know, this might be controversial, real journalist. Agreed. A reporter of the two of them. Uh-huh. So the fact that of all of the people here, everybody knows it's between the two of them makes no sense to me. I Because hate how, plot. Uh, th- first of all, they are the two most famous people in the world. Two most famous journalists in the world, truly. <laughs> like, no, sure. it's like, that's how the show treats them. Like, they are chummy with the president, who is Fred Willard, by the way. The, that's brilliant, first of all. Incredible. You mean um, the president of the United States? Yes. America? Of America. I love that. Tell me what episode that is. I love the <laughs> shit out of that. It's a bizarre episode, but literally, like, the president is being walked through a crowded ho- hotel lobby where Lois and Clark are trying to check in their parents. And, like, Lois sees him. It's just like, Mr. President. And he turns around and is like, hey, Lois Lay. You know? <laughs> it's really... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's great. great. Anyway. They are the two most famous people in the world, so like that's the only thing I can say to justify it. But the way this season in particular treats Clark as like the high honcho of journalism, like God's gift to journalism, when I'm like, she's low as fucking lame. Yeah, I'm not buying that. Like I, I, I like that they're partners and whatnot, but like let's not, let's be very clear. Her pedestal is far higher than Clark Kent's journalistic pedestal, you know? Yeah, there's really, obviously she deserves it more. There's there's no competition. I also love, she has this, like, humble moment where Clark says it should be her. And she's like, oh, what? Me? Like, stop. Come on, Lois. <laughs> Just be a better actor than that. We all know you know it too. <laughs> exactly. I like, too, early on, good first moves from Clark, like, takes himself out of the running, doesn't need it. Could you imagine running a major metropolitan newspaper and being Superman at the same time? Oh my god, I he, mean, he has, too, he has he, enough on his plate. He can barely be the world's most famous reporter and be Superman at the same time. Yeah, it's it's fine for him to take a backseat. Yeah. Like, come on. I'm also, a little like, fuck about... off, but whatever, you know. Uh, should be interesting on the marriage. That what was his name that comes in and it's like the first one of the first things out of his mouth is oh by the way this promotion blah 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 it's between oh, you two yeah, should be is, interesting on the marriage huh this excuse is Ralph you. yeah excuse you Ralph <laughs> you have no business commenting on their marriage Ralph okay? has so little lines in the series he has to um, force himself in force himself into their lives as much as he can while he's here because truly like he's a nothing character that just recurs a few times this year it's it's like again four people are allowed to talk to the daily planet more people had lines in the daily planet in this episode than in the past three and a half seasons of this show yeah i hate him he's the one in the break room that's like you know calling girls sweetie and like patting him on the booty and like that's him right yes yes (laughs) and to the point where too like he's there was a gossip columnist in the first season he is now seemingly, like, not gossip, but, like, scandal guy, you know? Like, it feels like he should be working for, like, a tabloid rather than the Daily Planet with the story he's mm. chasing this episode. Anyway, nice shout-out real quick 
Clark says, you're the one with all the Kurth awards. Kurth is an in-universe oh, journalistic award that we've like dealt with before. She, they've gone to the ceremony to get theirs and stuff. Like, so it was just like a nice little thing. So even more reasons that she's more qualified. Uh, he has one too, but she has like in her old apartment, she had like a shelf with lighting and like velvet that they were you know, <laughs> put on. Her Ebby table. Yeah. Right. Um, Perry enters all happy. Um, he's got some nebulous corporate job, which I guess is the point that like even he doesn't know what he's doing. But like literally they didn't even take the time to be like, so is he like on the board now or whatever? You know, like there's no talk of that. Yeah, rungs of the ladder. That's sure. all you need to know. Sure. Right? Um, but in the meantime, we're going to need an interim editor, um, which is a very difficult decision to the point where my notes say, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> you know? Oh, and no, no, not, not only difficult decision. He says, and I quote, the most difficult decision he has ever had to make. Really? See? That's the most difficult decision. Why we're, we're being so precious with Clark Kent's feelings here is beyond me. Yeah, let's let's all relax here, too. And, and this is where it starts for me. Again, I love this show, but this is where the episode immediately is like, uh-oh, for me. Where Lois gets it. She is appropriately happy. She's got a little, yeah, you know, like, whatever. She's not gloating. She's just excited. And Clark is instantly like, well, I, you know. Didn't like that. And I'm like, fuck off. I don't agree with that characterization of him in this moment. Because okay. for me, up until now, I thought he was being a good sport so far. Okay. He took it in stride. This is from my perspective. Mm-hmm. He took it in stride. He even kind of made, and maybe you interpreted this as he's covering it up, but he did that little like, oh, I'm looking forward to... Sleeping with the boss with that like eyebrow wiggle that right. he does right <laughs> in front wiggle. of the boss, which I guess HR isn't a thing in this world. So oh, literally we cheer anytime they like rub each other in the newsroom. So no, it's it's not an issue. Sure, right, great. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, I yeah I didn't think he was doing a bad job at this point. So I guess it's just the one like the look that they almost go out on with the act where he's like a little like. All right, calm down to her. But I'm like, uh, be excited for your lady who just got, who just like climbed up the ladder at the Daily Planet very quickly and deserves it. Part of me feels like that's less of a Clark uh, choice and more of like a Dean Kane isn't making a great acting choice to express. What are you implying, Stacia? Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm not, nothing to add. I'm just saying that could be a possible reason. That's why you felt that way. That's fair. Okay. But it it's then built on in the rest of the episode. Again, I actually like this episode. I but the the way they portray Clark is is not cool with me. But it sounds like we might. I think we're about to go in different directions. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to get there. Okay. So. Immediately, like we have not left the Daily Planet. We're back from credits, and it's like Perry walking her around, showing her the ropes. I like this whole thing where he's like, you know, like, printing's going to say you need final copy by 8, but, like, don't be afraid to bully them around to, like, 10, 15. (laughs) You know, like, that type (laughs) of shit is really, really fun for me. Um, Where he's just, like, he knows the ropes so well, and he's not going to bullshit Lois, and he's just, like, giving her as much ammunition as she can get in, like, the minute that he's here to teach her all this. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I do like too. Like Clark comes in and you know everybody's super happy for Lois and blah blah blah. And Perry's like, uh, "This isn't going to be a problem for you two, right?" And it's just like, I didn't just create a storyline for you guys this week, did I? And they're like, no, 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 no. It's fine. Go enjoy. Have a moment. You know. Yeah. Also, none of your business. Like, stay in your lane, Perry. I guess in this world, though, everyone's in every. It doesn't work that but way. But he's so like a father figure for her that that like we've said goodbye to that a sure. long, long time ago. That's uh, fine. Uh, I do like, you know, Perry and Clark leave. I like Lois taking a moment at her desk here and just, like, enjoying it. She literally just, like, puts her feet up for a second, for a fucking second, mm-hmm. and has a, like, it's my paper now, you know? Okay, I love that moment, too, but really all I could think about was, please redecorate that office. Uh, yeah, well. The moment that you can. The whole bullpen, really. It, yeah, it's really terrible. Not only is it dated, which obviously it is, but it's just, it was so, the chair needs to be replaced. Like, just, <laughs> just add some little, like, lowest touches would be nice, but Look, anyway. Perry's been in this office since, like, what? The, the mid-70s, maybe? You yeah. know, like, who knows? It was real rough. That's all I could think about in that, but, in that moment, but. Fine by me. <laughs> Um, as Perry's leaving the newsroom too, he's like, um, apologizing to Clark again. And it's just like, again, hitting the, like, you know, it was fucking neck and neck, but it came down to experience. And it's like, yeah, it, it should have, dude. You know, like, it's all good. Yeah. Sorry. I know you're the man, but I gave it to the woman. Is that cool? It's I'm almost sorry, like, man. I, I, like, you had the whole Superman thing, you know, like she needed something else. <laughs> Um, it's almost bittersweet when Perry gets in the elevator, um, which I kind of like just story-wise that they took the time to do that. Cause like for all they know, this is him like leaving forever, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's false to do that to an audience, but I don't know. I knew he was coming back. Yeah, obviously. Right. Maybe I'm a little too far removed from it all. Yeah. But so here's a game we used to play on this show when it seemed like every episode, Jimmy had some new girl that he was going after. Okay. And the game was like, Jimmy might fuck. Will Jimmy fuck this week? And this is the first time we've really gotten to play it for real in a while, where it's just like, I couldn't care less about this storyline that he has here, but what is going on with this woman? <sighs> this storyline makes this makes me really upset. Yeah. Let, let me lay it out and then... You, you go. Okay. Jimmy comes up to Clark and is just like, I'm having a fatal attraction problem. This seemingly very innocent, whatever, nice looking girl is like across the newsroom, won't stop looking at Jimmy, has sent him dead roses to his place, and he's like afraid for his life. And um, Clark, like superhero something, is like, uh, tough shit, sorry, good luck, gotta go. And, you know, that becomes a runner throughout the episode. But like, please... What the, how, did, how did that make you feel, Stish? Well, for, oh, how indeed. First of all, <laughs> my, my immediate thought at this stage when they introduce it is clearly Jimmy is just someone that went out with this woman and didn't really know how to end things with her. So mm-hmm. he did that like asshole dude thing where you kind of don't. Yeah, and I'll then call the, you. The, yeah, yeah. the woman gets confused and things are unclear. And really it's on him. So that was my first thought, which is not where they take this so there's this is she crazy is she not crazy and they have these moments where she's just smiling after him and i'm thinking okay she's just a girl that went on a date with a guy first and sidebar maybe this is why you don't date people in the workplace but (laughs) we, we, we don't have to get that far into it here 
But it's like, why do we have to have a crazy date plot line? Like, I, what is it adding? It's not funny. It's very tired. Yeah. And I don't, and it doesn't add anything. This is one of those episodes for me. Where I, I was talking about it last time. Like, last time, you know, um, that you were here, Bob and Carol, Lois and Clark. Love that episode. Genuinely funny moments throughout it, I think. Really good character stuff. Here, this is where it's just like, it's trying to be funny and it forgot to have real jokes and it just lands so flat and it's such a bummer. But like the, this whole Jimmy thing it is is kind of nonsensical too. Cause like, I, I think that's the read that makes the most sense. It's just like, Jimmy's like a little paranoid and like maybe being He's a little full of himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This girl really doesn't care about him or whatever. Or there's there's reasonable explanations here, but then they they totally just undercut it at the end. Let's just talk about it now because I don't give a shit when it pops up. Sure. At this sure. episode, but like at the end, after she's like come at him with a knife, and it turns out she was just like buttering her bagel or whatever, you know, like throughout the episode, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees her with another guy, and he's just like, oh, I guess that worked out, blah blah blah. And as she's leaving, she's like, I hope you're still locking your doors at night, Jimmy. And it's just like, well, what? What are we doing? Yeah. If it's her, the only reading I like is her like knowing what he's going through and she's just fucking with him at this point. And there I'm, I'm like totally into it, but there's no context for that. And she doesn't come back ever. No, 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 no. She, oh, they no, are no. not setting her up to be a villain. Goodbye forever. Way. Okay, so here we are again. That's a series another... wrap on Blonde Girl at the Daily Planet. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that obviously Lois is a great... I guess I'm going to say fleshed out because she's the most fleshed out of the women we see. Mm -hmm. But like how many other women are there in this world? And the only examples you're giving me are these one dimensional, like shitty representations. What for why? And and it's not even funny. Yeah. It's not even funny. So uh, I don't know. It's very upsetting. It is weird because, you know, the show is Lois and Clark. She is, she's top billing here you know mm-hmm. but um season one um let's count martha kent there are three women in in um you know recurring or excuse me, series leads mm-hmm. and then after season one after that gossip columnist i told you about leaves it is just lois and martha for the rest of the series and it, it is totally what you're saying where it's like the show gets a lot of credit and in some cases rightfully so for being like the feminist the whatever take on superman feminist is too strong but like you know gearing towards the the relationship and that type of thing but there is a surprising lack of actual like female characters on this show and when there are good female characters they're mostly just um either one and dones or you know five episodes recurring and then gone dead moved away whatever yeah, and I have to, listen, I understand when you view something from a lens, almost from a time capsule of, it's the 90s. Totally. We've made more progress. It was progress. a different time. Yeah, and <laughs> I understand that, and I think there's merit to that stance. But if you are going to take the time to re-watch things or reread things from a different time, it's worth commenting on what is problematic about it so you know we're acknowledging it and Mm -hmm. we're seeing either a how we've 
moved on from it or how it's still similar to things today. Uh, but you can't just ignore it and be like, well, it's a different time. Like, we do have to talk about it. <laughs> I, no, couldn't agree. I mean, welcome to the podcast. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I, I, I don't mean to be super negative on the show, too, because there's some really fun shit coming up. But, like, that whole thing just really, it just bumped me out. Um, yeah. Let's get to some fun shit. Like, I think all the Superman stuff in this episode works really well. So, so give me your take on the Superman stuff here. Um, right away, the, there's a crisis at Advanced Strategies Labs. Please, Superman, help! And, and he runs in just as we see the villain van outside. Uh, the villains here literally monologuing as we meet them. Uh, and we've got uh, the, the kidnapped hacker, who's been kidnapped by his brother, apparently, Eric Press, and his brother, Ethan Press. Ethan Press looked very familiar to me, played by Charles... Uh, Eston, I really only know him, I think, from The Office. He was in Jim's branch before, like, Dunder Mifflin merged again. What, what, do you know him from anything? Yes, Charles Eston may be better known to some as Chip Eston of Whose Line Is It Anyway fame. <gasps> oh my god! He is a frequent guest yeah. on that show with Wayne Brady and Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery and the, Drew Carey hosted. The Drew Carey years, right? I cannot stress enough how big of a fan I am of that show. It is so funny. It is so amazing. It is so witty. And he's just so great. And I didn't recognize him at first. Mm. He came on screen and I said, okay, so this is the love child of Jim Carrey and James Franco, who's a villain. Great. I love it. He's awesome. He's giving me like character and energy. And then I said, wait a second, is that Jim Eston? And it sure is. And he's just, I, he is my favorite part of this whole episode. He's just so much fun fun Mm -hmm. and it feels like he is the kind of villain that is in the dc world you know like yeah especially he has personality to him and i didn't get that from the last episode that i saw that was on here with you before Mm -hmm. um anthony sabato jr didn't give you like jim carrey energy really do it for me weird i know but i just was so happy to see him in this he's just amazing this is one of those villains that I'm like, if they had gone another season, he would have come back. He's super fun. These are the type of villains that the show does really well, mm-hmm. and they know they do really well, and they, they bring them back and have some recurring villainy here. But I, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It is so... The most recent Batman movie I think that had come out at this point was, was Batman Forever with Jim Carrey as the Riddler. And it's mm-hmm. so that... It's not an imitation, but it's just that big fucking crazy guy who likes doing evil shit <laughs> i might kill my brother and i identify with cain over abel and whatever you know like all these <laughs> crazy fucking but it's also not it, when you when you cast someone like that and this is why the casting is so ugh, i'm gonna get on my high horse no, about it but please. it's like you just can tell the difference between someone who a is really skilled but b just like has the right energy for the role because Mm -hmm. in someone else's mouth it would be really fucking cheesy you know and you wouldn't buy a word of it and it would be very like mustache twirly but he doesn't do that thing he just is his like goofy self and it makes it work and he doesn't lean into the villainous aspect of it which is the best part right there's so. something too with like where we're talking about Jim Carrey and it's making me think of 
characters like Riddler, Joker, where it's like the goofier they are when they say the scary shit, it's that much scarier because it's just like this guy is going to do it. Like there's no reason for me not to believe that he might just kill his brother in this Winnebago here for a second. Totally, you know? totally. It's really, oh my God. Like, how often do you rewatch Whose Line that you recognize this guy? Cause... I, you don't understand. Growing up, my family would have that on at like every night. Really? <laughs> we would watch it together. And most of the dirty jo- dirtier jokes went fully over totally. my head. But of course, like, it's getting huge laughs out of my dad, and, like, the audience is dying over it, and you just, like, get the sense that these guys are so fucking funny. And you're laughing at 10, you're like, I don't get it, but I'm glad we're having fun. And you watch them back, and it's just so magical and so Mm. much fun, and I'm probably going to hang up with you after this and watch an episode of it, because it's just, I've seen so many of them that I, of course, was like, that's Chivestin. Wow. That's, That's cool. I, yeah. I like I haven't seen a full episode of that era of the show in so long, so I, I would never have pulled that out. Nicely done. Um, talking casting and talking villainy here. I, I'd like to get your yeah. opinions on, on some of the actors that they've had that I think are wonderful. Do you know okay. who Lane Davies is? I do know who Lane Davies is. Okay, so he's introduced as this madman time traveler from the future who in his first episode tries to go back in time and kill little Superman the minute he lands on Earth, basically, and like not let the Kents find him and that type of thing. Uh-huh. And when I tell you this character caught fire, like I can't, I can't stress it enough, like how, how huge he was with the fan base in this like end of season two, ass end of season two episode that, that could have been a standalone. And then they just go through so many story holes and whatever to bring him back every year as much as they can because people just loved him he is like the highlight villain from this series and so is bronson pinchot who played um a a uh almost riddler type villain but he was on the the sitcom perfect strangers for a while he's in the beverly hills cop movies it's just like there's been kind of no rhyme or reason to me watching the show like why these actors work or don't because at first I'm like well is it about having a comedian come in and do it but then you've got someone like Lane Davies who is who is a soap actor primarily a theater actor too and it just can go there too so like I don't know when you see something like this performance that we have here as as a casting professional, I never get to talk to you about this. This is fun. Um, do you like? Are you able to kind of articulate the qualities that you're seeing here, or you're just like it's talent and they're they're just vibing with the material? You know, it's talent, sure, but I think it is really fun when an actor just has a take on something. Mm. You know, and. I think, and I'll speak, you know, just to this case, because this is the episode that yeah, yeah. I watched, so I'm familiar with it. The, the character that he's playing is kind of just close to who he is, that he doesn't have to do that much, that it feels false and it feels weird and mm. it doesn't feel right. So I feel like that is when things really... Um, are able to take off and people are really able to connect because it just feels natural even when it is a broader take on things you know and some actors are just good you know <laughs> it, it's like 
when you're watching a show and there's like a breakout role, you know, we cast things and we're like, oh, this person's going to break out. It's They're going to be the breakout role because they're amazing. They're this and that. And then it'll air and people will resonate so much with someone else that we didn't even think mm. that they would necessarily to that degree. So I don't know. It's just like things just happen that way. And a smart, you know, producing and writing team will, and I think this is what you were alluding to earlier, when they recognize that, they will write to it and they will bring that person back because right. the audience likes it and it's working. So I don't know. It's hard to quantify that kind of thing. And I don't want to do that stupid like, oh, people just have that thing. Is that something? You but know like that magic when it comes in the room, but yeah. Yeah, I, but <sighs> I'm sure there's part of that though too. Like that can't be bullshit. Like I understand what bullshit. that is. Yeah, it's not bullshit. I just hate saying it because it makes me sound like a horrible Hollywood cliche person. <laughs> but you just can't always quantify it. Mm. What makes something right and what makes an actor have quote unquote that thing, and. It can be a lot of different things coming together. It can be the actor collaborating with the director and the writing really being in that actor's voice. Mm. And the casting person finding the actor that can bring the words to life in that real way. So, like I said, if this Chip Eston... What is the villain's name, even? Um, the, the Ethan, Ethan Press. <laughs> I just keep saying Chip Eston. I'm mean Boy Press, yeah. You know, had that been another actor... Maybe it would have been good. Maybe it would have been great. It would have been different. Right. And I don't know. Some people might have liked it. Some people wouldn't. So it's <laughs> hard it, to say. It's all the more impressive to me um, as someone who, who doesn't, you know, do casting or doesn't work with actors regularly. When, when I see someone give a performance like this in as heightened a show as this can be, and still make it feel real while also being completely false at the same time. Like that's that's a like theater level of acting that I so appreciate on something like this. It's and also that's incredibly what it is hard. I, it's, I, totally. Especially this show that is tonally so campy. And it's very easy, I think, to slip into this, to go too far in that direction. Right. And it just takes the slightest amount of going too far or too broad. And immediately you're out of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a fine line. And I think he, he just does this so well. And it's just so fun. And you just want to watch more of him. Yep. Couldn't agree more. See? We like this episode. Everything's great. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I also like here, like, we get some superheroics. We don't really see what he does here necessarily, Superman. But he, he jumps in. He talks to uh, a scientist uh, running out of the building. Mm -hmm. um, the computers are going haywire, blah, blah, blah. The hydrogen tank's linking. He goes inside, seemingly stops it, and comes out. And they're, like, watching him and seeing his levels deplete. Instantly, as a Superman fan, I like where they're going with this. Where they're trying to figure out what, um, what powers him... And, and like how long, how much they would need to depower him. And the fact that they use, like they figure out it's the sun that powers him and whatnot in this episode is really fun for me. I like that a villain is, is this is dumb with such bullshit science, but like thinking smartly about how to defeat this guy, you know? So I was confused about the sun. First of all, I didn't know that the sun aspect, is that part as well, of the As well you should be. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
So that is a fact of Superman yes. in, this, in the comics in every iteration. Okay, got it. Don't know how they came to that conclusion, but we'll just go with it. I thought that in that whole conversation, it was leading us to the discovery of kryptonite. Oh, fair. Have we seen or heard anything about kryptonite? Kryptonite's so fucking anywhere. You got a dime on the street corner to a drug dealer, they can probably get you some kryptonite. Like, it, it, I, I say that a little flippantly, but like, if they wanted to do a kryptonite story, they easily could have done a kryptonite story here. I think I was just a little disappointed that I thought they were building to. It was like, what is the key to weakening Superman? And, right. you know, anyone that doesn't even know that much about Superman knows that that's kryptonite. Right. And I was excited for them to get there, but then all of a sudden it was just like a special kind of death ray. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, okay. The death sure. ray is kind of a legacy thing. We'll, we'll get into the death ray. Okay, thing. okay, um, okay. Kryptonite, I, ah. So many people have used it that I'm not sure. I don't think it's publicly known. When it's first discovered in season one, it is the one story that Lois buries, kind of. Um, because she knows well, that it's harmful to Superman? Is that how that goes? Yes, I believe so. As long as they've addressed it in the series. That's oh, fine. season I one just... was like six years of podcasting ago for me. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But it, it, she writes about it, but doesn't. They, they, they don't highlight the Superman powers of it. It's like the best kept secret in the underworld. The government knows about it. Um, the Star Labs, like his doctors know about it, basically. Mm-hmm. But not everybody. So, like, I'm fine yeah. with these guys not necessarily knowing about it. Um, <laughs> you may have to cut this whole part out because your listeners are going to be like, this fucking idiot, Stacia. No, if she has is... seen the rest of the show, she would know they weren't going to be talking about kryptonite, duh. Dude, this is what I miss <laughs> about... I'm sorry, everybody. I apologize. I love talking to novices and I love talking to fans on this show. The thing I love talking to novices about is them coming in with like very legitimate questions and me like taking a moment to be like, oh, well, well, you see, in the continuity of the show, you know, like that's... Good, I'm keeping you on your toes. Yeah, exactly. I love it, I love it. And you bested me, because I'm like, do people know about <laughs> Who's to say? <sighs> um, anyway, that's where I thought they were going. Clearly they weren't. No, but, but I like that they're, they're, doing, they're doing something different here. And mm-hmm. they're doing it all in the name of uh, their greatest childhood hero, Lex <laughs> I I was in stitches this entire time. It was so... Just the way they talked about it, too. And again, this is the brilliance of the timing of a comedian like Chip Estrin. Yes. Where he takes that, like, micro-pause where he says, our childhood hero, Lex Luthor. And it's just like, I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) And it made me so giddy. Like, are you kidding me? It's so I fun. don't know why, but it's hysterical. It's also, it reminds me of like some people you might meet that are just like, Jeff Bezos is really doing a lot of good for the world. And it's like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? You know? Oh like, my God. I just, I, and I also, since we're talking about it, the writing here is just so, people don't talk this way. No. First of all, the single greatest voice who ever spoke. That is, his, that is his quote about Lex Luthor, which, honestly, great. It's kind of brilliant. 
But then they get, he has this whole, like, speech about how amazing Lex is and then how they go into wanting to defeat Superman. And then they say things like, blah, 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 blah. We know the key to his powers lies in his vast energy reserves. Like, dude, you're talking to your brother. You're not, like, talking in medical paragraphs. Can we just, like... Cut the shit. It's just, it's very poorly written. People don't speak this way. This is not your essence's fault. This is the fault of the writers. I get it, but there's a grandioseness to it that I really, that I think I, I, I enjoy in a villain like this. Like, we got to get this exposition out. So let, let's just make him, just like Lex Luthor, enjoy the sound of his fucking voice so goddamn much <laughs> that he's going to monologue this whole thing every time. That he's going to recap their life up to this moment every mm-hmm. time he turns to his brother, you know? Yeah, I take your point. Take your point. Anyway, it's fun. They're great. They have a great time through this episode. I also like the um, just the effects of seeing Superman through there, like um, reading his bioelectrical strength <laughs> meter. <laughs> and you like literally sure. see the little battery level on the side like go from like, you know, down here. I know. I just wonder, again, for an alien from another planet, mm. like, it's just amazing to me that we just have this technology to be able to read a being like this. Like, sure. I'm, you know what? I buy it. Look, That's they don't fine. have kryptonite, but they've got some shit figured out. You can't it's hold great. that against them. That's great. <laughs> Cut back to the Daily Planet. We're in the staff meeting with editor-in-chief Lois Lane in a fucking rockin' pinstripe suit can we talk about this for a second she looks great in this whole episode her she makeup looks is fantastic phenomenal makeup ex- yes fantastic hair perfect mm-hmm. and these outfits on her like i love seeing lois lane in a suit in a tie and they're like she's got like this almost like chocolate covered a uh, chocolate colored um suit and shirt and tie thing later on and just like pinstripes on the suit and i'm just like Everything she's wearing in this episode is what I wanted to wear all the time. It's it's so great. <laughs> yeah, she wears power well. Yes, yes. She? Nice. Wow. Mm. Wow. <laughs> like that. Um, that's the pull quote for this episode. I really dug Ooh. that. <laughs> um, I have to be a nerd here for a second, though. We were talking just about for this, okay, just just for just, just briefly, and then we can okay. get back to the not nerdy Superman podcast. I promise. Um, Ralph is talking about his column, his, his like sleazy story as they're going around the room. And it's, uh, about the mayor, a uh, he and his call girl. Uh, I believe not episodes before we met the mayor and she's basically a TV version of Patty Lapone. And I'm like, what happened between like, was, this, was there an election? You know, like what happened between then and now? That there's now a male mayor. Like, I've never caught that before, but just, like, totally obliterating some continuity for the show. Maybe they hated her and they didn't want to have her back, but she's great in the mm. episode. Hmm. Okay. I got nothing. But it's, like, literally, like, I think four episodes ago there was a woman, but all right, whatever. Tough election Well, here. we can't have too many women in power in one That's episode, a good point. So they changed it. We let, like, two other women talk in this episode. So yeah, we, we, we hit our quota. We don't yeah. need any more. Yeah, exactly. Um, I... Love. Clark sneaks in late here to the staff meeting as it's going. She, turn, she turns to him and is basically like, Clark, are you doing your job? And he's like, uh, job? You know, like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> work? Yeah. I'm married to the boss now. I don't need to work. 
and th they're going back and forth and, and like you know he's answering her questions and she she asks something and he has like a really spiked again I was just looking into it and I'm like oh you watch yourself Mr. Kent you know I actually thought she was being hard on him in this really game. I did okay. I, I because he comes in yes he's late blah 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 but he comes in and he's like so I'm working on this story he's obviously in the middle of the story and she's like but do you have this but do you have this but do you have evidence like I didn't hear her ask anyone else any of those questions so it was like and I I it's probably coming from this I can't feel like I'm showing favoritism so I need to be that much harder on my husband harder on which you I sure get but that being said as an outsider possibly observing, it feels like she went too hard. And I could then see why Clark is like, what the fuck are you doing? Because if you were on my side of the table, you would completely be doing the same thing. You right. Because that's what you do when you try to find the story. You have to find it. You don't just find the story fully developed and ready to write. That's part of reporting. Right. Which and, she knows. And most of their interactions with Perry are just like, Perry, I swear there's a story here. Like, let us go after it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I, quickly we forget. We become that which we hate. Right? Yeah, that's fair. I like that reading of it. Because I also, I, I like generally the idea that, like, now that she's on the other side, she's like, it's not a story yet. Stop. But, you know, knows yeah. that Yeah, and she going. does mention, and I think it's in a later scene, she says, listen, I'm an editor now. I can't think that way. Right. But there was no grace of switching into that line of thinking and that's why i think this whole storyline is rushed like Thank this you, could Brad have been at least over two episodes and i have more thoughts about this towards the end but i think maybe that's where i'm stuck a little bit mm. because it's just there's no reason she would all of a sudden be so on the other side of the table that's unquote. fair. Like, she shouldn't expect the moon of the story that she was on literally, like, two hours ago with him. Not only sh would she not expect it, sh not only should she not expect it, but she wouldn't know to. She wouldn't already be in the mindset of, oh, I'm flipping the switch. I am, I'm on editor mode now because she's never done it before. And it, it would take her time to begin to think that way. Mm. And that's the part that I'm missing, which makes me feel like it doesn't make sense for her to be so hard on him in that way. So yeah. that's why I'm on Clark's side so far. So far. I, I suppose that's fair. Okay. Are you still on his side when like, she's like, see me outside really quickly and they go outside and he comes in, he comes in hot at her with just like, what are you talking about? Like, it takes time to build a story. What, like you liked this when you were on it. And that's when she has that line I think you were talking about. It was just like, yeah, I liked it when I had one story to deal with, not 50, you know? Yeah, I'm still on his side. Okay. Well, damn. <laughs> um, Don't well, worry. I won't be soon. No, we'll no, get, no. You're we'll good. No, I like, I love hearing the different perspective. I, I was just so immediately like, I, I don't know where I fall on this story. I know where she's coming from. I know where they're both coming from here. I think they're just, like, not communicating, which is their problem. Well, yes, and I also think that they're not communicating, which is a flaw in... I mean, it's plot, yes, but I think this is flawed writing. Because they're not spending enough time developing things, and they're not earning the moments that they're trying to create. Yes. And this is just the beginning of that, and we see a lot more of it in, the, you know, the last act. Hmm. 
it's less dramatic, but like just as a fan of these characters, I want to see the moment where she comes in and she's just like, look, I don't know what to do about your story. I feel like we don't have room for it. I feel like I should cut it, but like, uh, where are you with this? Like, you know, convince me otherwise or whatever. Like, maybe. I mean, maybe that would have fixed it or made it feel more real. I mean, mm. that's an interesting point. It's tough. Like, I've also never worked with a significant other before in really any capacity. So I'm just like, I I can't even imagine what this is like, especially when that power dynamic is so quickly changed around no matter who gets the promotion or not like just that you go from partner to one of the one of the people is your boss and it's just like that's nuts yeah and that's why i think she was being too that's why i take come down on the side of she was being too hard on him in the meeting because she was trying to prove to the rest of the staff that she's not playing favorites right um he then followed clark what's that I'm still Team Clark for now. <laughs> um, we we cut to Lois's office. She has an assistant suddenly. Uh huh. Great, good for her. I didn't know Perry had an assistant, but I was just gonna ask. No, <laughs> Perry has Jimmy ones? to yell at and say like, "Bring me whatever." Um, but uh, I I like that like you know she's getting phone calls. No, I don't have a lead. Did I eat lunch? All these things like she's she's so scared <laughs> of the brain. It's like it's that thing where like where you're really in the mode of work. And I loved that. You Did totally... I eat lunch? We, we've all been there. Hashtag pilot season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we've all had that day where, like, at 3.30, you're like, uh, I should get a bag of chips or something. You know? I should pee. Yeah. I, I should go to the bathroom and spend a minute. I right. should walk outside. Yeah. Um, I also like here where she, she gives them a little ego thing of, like, look, you're the best reporter I've got, so I need you on the story that's probably going to be the best thing. And that, unfortunately, means working with Ralph and look at the mail. Is that true? What? That he's the best reporter. Again. Is that true? uh, Yes, because... Because (laughs) Because they said so? Because they're Lane and Kent, man. That means nothing to me. I know, but they're like... (laughs) They would be on the billboards. They literally are on billboards and like bus ads in Metropolis. Okay. So, anyway. She's got to get back to the meeting, but... um, also, the Kents are coming into town for some reason tonight, and she's like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll take care of it. So I'm sure that'll, that'll go fine. That's going to be great. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ethan Press meets this weapons guy at this factory. This weapon, this dumbass-looking prop, is the same prop that Lex Luthor used to almost kill Superman the last time he was around. Okay. Intentionally? Yeah. It's the same weapon. They, okay. they literally say it where, like, this is... I, I wrote this shit down. This is the Quantum Disbander, which is the new and improved edition of the Quantum Disruptor, which Lex Luthor used. One of its new improvements, by the way, is it's more energy conscious. So that's... It's good sure. when Go your green. Quantum dis, or Disbanders <laughs> are, uh, are going green. So that's, that's what we got here. Okay. Um, and it... Lex got it in the same kind of situation too, where like a corrupt kind of like deep throat government guy gives it to him in a shady deal. And that guy had so much personality that just, just for the fans listening, like I so wish it was that guy from that episode. Cause he comes in and like it's at night and he's got sunglasses on and he's bumping into shit. And Lex is just like, Lex is about to shoot him, but he's almost just like, what a loss. Like I don't care. You know, like he just walks away with it. 
Um, but that's what's going on here. And, and Eric just like couldn't be happier about this gun. Yeah, I, first of all, would like to talk about the wardrobe of trench coat, as I call him. Mm-hmm. He's trench coat, shades, and fedora clearly spell nefarious doings, right? Yes. And, and if that weren't agent. enough, if that were not enough, the gruff voice really drives that point home. Yeah. Like, hey, I heard you wanted this disrupt whatever. What did you fucking call it? A disruptor? Uh, you know what I'm hi. saying. Well, you don't <laughs> know thing. about science. Data. It's the, the quantum thing, the disbander. Thing. Yeah. So, anyway, I... You just had to make sure you knew he was on the side of the bad guy. That's all. Exactly. I, I, I love it for that. <laughs> yeah. And I just have to say, the second that Chip Heston starts monologuing about his plan, I knew this guy was donezo. Because he's not just going to let him walk away. Like, oh, cool. That's what we're using it for. I'm going to get out of here. Right. Um, Although it's kind of on him, if he didn't think to ask why he wanted the weapon before handing it over, like, how, can you explain to me? No, this is such a classic move in these, like, um, great new weapon gear trade-off scenes in, like, superhero stuff, where it's just like, maybe don't hand the maniac the fucking gonna disappear you gun and show him how to turn it on before. But... It's funny to me that he hands over the gun and then starts to, he seems like he's regretting it, which is why he then asks what he wants it for. Mm. But it's like, what did you think he was going to use it for to solve world peace? Well, it's, it's green. So, but I I just, anyway, I'm with you. (laughs) I'm with you. Totally. It's just an excuse for, for what is his name? Chip Eston to, uh, to monologue here a little bit. Um, and then and then fucking obliterate this guy. Yeah, I I think it's really fun. Meanwhile, so now now that now the presses are armed. Oh shit! Uh, meanwhile, at home, Lois is preparing dinner, and that bummed me out. When Clark mm-hmm. could literally do it at super speed, mm-hmm. or like go to that place in Paris we love and get mm-hmm. whatever fucking food and bring it back. You know, like in Clark's defense. I don't know why I'm defending Clark so much. This no, episode. this I, is not where I thought this episode was going to go, but me continue. Neither. Me neither. He can move at super speed, but he can't cook at super speed because you know, if you try and cook something quicker than you're supposed to, it's not going to come out right. I so, hear what you say, you're saying, but I've also seen him use heat vision to cook and it's gone fine. Oh, well then fuck everything I just said. Yeah. He should be cooking dinner. That this is this is what I'm saying where I'm just like maybe take something off her plate. At one point too, he's got to like, did you get the dry cleaning? Like, oh no, I forgot. What? And I'm like, literally zoom over there and get it. You'll be back in 10 seconds. But gender roles. I know. This is what <laughs> bums me out. <laughs> gender roles. Gender roles. And the in-laws the, the are coming over. The worst part about it too is it's like, did you get the dry cleaning? Did you do this? Do you remember my parents coming? And all of it is just to point to the fact that Lois is overwhelmed. That Lois it's is not and we're failing a at home. A hundred percent. And there's no resolution to that. It's just, you're right. It's very, very upsetting. That's what bums me out where it like, I, I want Clark Kent to feel like I am the luckiest guy in the world to be with this woman and I have to earn that that luck every day in order to stay with her. You know, like that is such an important 
I I like that angle so much for them, and and I I think he does kind of in a good way put her on a pedestal in that way. That I'm just like step the fuck up and help her out, you know? Yeah, and it's uh, and without knowing too much about their dynamic, these again I've only seen two episodes, mm-hmm. but it's almost less that I need to do everything I can to deserve her. It's we're in a partnership. Let me step in when my partner is struggling. That too. Uh, so there's just this fundamental breakdown of, uh, I don't know, their dynamics. Mm-hmm. It, and it shouldn't all be coming from Lois's success. Yes. So do better, Clark. I, do, I do agree. Better. And that's what wants me out about this episode. Because, like, fuck Dean Kane, but I always want to root for Clark Kent. And I can't in this episode. And I'm just like, you're not, you're not doing enough for me, buddy. Yeah. And like, did the parents have to come to dinner tonight? You couldn't have been like, hey, I, I have no idea isn't... why they're in town. <laughs> how far, by the way, you can cut this out. How far did, are they from Metropolis, Smallville to Metropolis? What's, what's the mileage? Well, now we get to play my favorite game. Where is Metropolis? <laughs> um, Smallville, Kansas. Metropolis sure. is somewhere on the East Coast. I have gone on record many times of just like, it's like around Delaware. It's it's like closer to D.C. than you'd think. But if the, it's that far from Smallville, they're not just popping into town for a day and what, not staying with them? No, they they flew in for some reason, probably to visit them. But there's no, there's no reason given here. We just needed the tension of the family dinner for Lois to fuck up, basically. Sure, sure. The Kents, however, is this the first time you're meeting the Kents? Oh, you saw the pilot. Well, okay. I watched the pilot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Immediately lovely. Mm-hmm. So ex- like Martha is so excited for Lois, like kind of like mouthing to her while she's on the phone talking about delivery trucks or whatever, and like the Kents could not be more gracious or understanding or forgiving about what is going on here. I like I love it throughout this scene where like Lois keeps having to get up to get the phone and eventually Clark has to like superhero and, and go and do a thing. And they just like, they've got these lovely little pearls of wisdom to the both of them throughout here, mostly to Clark who is like not taking this well. And just like, it's going to take your time to get this figured out. Just relax. Everything's fine. And then at one point, like they're both just alone at the table and just turn to each other with just a, let's eat, you know, like the kids, <laughs> let's, let's not worry about the kids. I, I I love it. I think the show underuses them, but whenever they're here, they, they sing for me. I, I don't know. What was your take on the, the Kents here? They're adorable. I I mean, this is more so later when um, Martha comes back and has the heart to heart with Lois, but mm. like, I want her to be my mother-in-law. I know. She's just so warm and lovely and... I don't know if they ever explore any kind of conflict between them and Clark. Nope. Um, maybe that would be interesting if this were a different show, but they're, I, that's not the point of them, I guess. We have sport, Smallville right? for that, you know? Like, and okay, they yeah, do that sure. really well there. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, I, the, these guys are, are pretty solid. Yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah. Um, I love, too, Jonathan's line here of just like, I guess it's your turn to watch her take off at a moment's notice. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's happening. And he's not, he's not reacting well to it. And I, and 
that's interesting. I, 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 I guess in that respect, I, I like that he has to learn that lesson that like, it is hard that when like you're in the middle of the worst fight you've ever had with your significant other and one of you superheroes something and has to go like save a bus of kids or whatever. Like, I, I like the idea of him having to learn that lesson. It's just there's, there's notes of it throughout that I'm like, eh, it's not for me. Well, and the irony of him running off and kind of doing the exact same thing, you know? He's getting up and leaving dinner. Sure, he's a superhero, and maybe lives are at stake. Okay, I'll grant you that. Right. But there's this, like, mirroring, and I don't think that Clark is really getting it yet. Right, right. Until, like, Jonathan sits down with them and has the heart-to-heart a Mm -hmm. little bit, which I... Great scene we'll get to in a second. Um, It does always remind me of... um, My grandfather was... Uh, I've, I've probably talked to you about this in the past, but uh, my grandfather was a doctor, and when I was very young, he was still practicing, and and he was like he'd get called to the hospital for for you know emergencies with his patients or whatever, and there'd be that thing where like you're eating dinner at my grandparents' house and the phone rings, and it's he gets up, hello, yeah, this is Doctor okay, and turns around, says, sorry everybody, I gotta go, and it's just like that you gotta just roll with it, it's just gotta roll off your back because they've got something somebody else needs them more mm-hmm. in that moment and that's uh, that's a lesson any family like that or first responders I'm sure has to learn and it's just not something that, that Clark has ever had to go through before you know because mm-hmm. he's usually the one right. you know he's the ultimate first responder you know <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, meanwhile uh, Back to the Daily Planet, things aren't going great for Lois either. Nobody wants to tell her the joke at the water cooler. I know, that was so sad. It's devastating. But good news, Perry White appears like an angel behind her and uh, and helps her deal with it and talks to her about, like, the crazy pressure. And, and, and then, like, kind of, like, you know, gives her the chuck on the chin of, like, you've got the brass to do this. So, like, don't worry, you'll, you'll get there eventually. Um, I, I love this scene with Perry. Lane Smith fucking killing it. Clearly not liking his job. Just wants to be back in the newsroom, you know? Uh, interesting. My, my take on this was this entire scene was merely a setup for him to get his old job back by the end of the episode. Oh, it totally. It was like sprinkling that, um, that inkling that he's going to come back at the end and restore the status quo. So yes. the whole time I had that in the back of my mind, I was like, okay. <laughs> so I couldn't really, you were really I, I, I could not enjoy the genuineness, whether it was or wasn't of him giving her advice because I knew it would all be for naught. So that's, anyway. that's totally fair. Story-wise, you're absolutely right. It's just as a fan of these characters, I think I enjoy he has so little to do in these last two or three seasons that it's just like I like when they get to have character moments between the two of them like he fucking loves her like a daughter and it's really sweet when they get these little scenes like this and it's it's just so few and far between that I'm like yes please I wasn't trying to yuck your yum or anything oh no you could I love them to what (laughs) to yuck your yum you ever heard that no but I love it don't yuck my yum I learned so many phrases doing this podcast, <laughs> usually from our overseas guests. But I'll thank try you. and sprinkle in a few more. Yeah, at the end of this. Okay, got it. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side of the newsroom, Clark is working with Ralph, hating his life. He's like speed reading through Ralph's stuff, and he's just like 
this this witness you're talking to is clearly setting up the mirror. Like, I've got no time for this. Um, Ralph's source calls, and, like, Clark has to go off and, you know, Superman. But apparently he's been listening to the call, and it's just like, say hi to your mom for me. And I'm like, that's... <laughs> this is a cute joke. I enjoyed this. I have a lore question. Sure. So we get snippets of Clark hearing things mm-hmm. elsewhere, but we only get snippets. So, like, how is it controlled? Does he get to pick and choose what he hears? Does he hear everything as a cacophony all at once in miles in any direction? And then, like, for because plot, some of it sticks out, and that's when he goes? Basically, they don't super get into it in the show, from my memory, but Superman lore-wise... He's, he's kind of, it's too much input. He's kind of hearing it all at once. So he's, over the years, gotten very good at focusing and, and training himself to, like, just focus on this conversation with you. But if nearby there is a giant alarm going off, that's going to kind of, like, the ambient noise of that is going to ring in his head, and he'll be able to kind of hone in on it and be like, oh, fuck, it's the bank down the street. I got to go. Sure. <laughs> you ask a stupid DC question. I'm going to give you a stupid DC answer. He's powered I... by the sun, and okay. green rocks hurt him. <laughs> what do you want from me? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what I was expecting. What I everything I heard you just say was this is a plot hole not to be overthought. So we're just going to move on. <laughs> he can control seemingly the gravity around him. Like great. I don't know what to awesome. fucking That's tell great. you, man. I'm into it. Let's let, keep it moving. <laughs> um, real quick, too. A wonderful super excuse here. I forgot my wallet. I've got to go. Like, where did you forget? In the car? D- yeah. At your desk? Where, where, where? What? You would think he would have, like, a, a handful of canned responses for circumstances just like these. He does. You know? that. I mean, I guess that's one of them. I, I bet it only happened on this show once but i always go back to like i have to return some videotapes the store's about to close and you know like because it's the 90s like that is so my thing for him but um yeah there's no real canned response it's always flimsy it's always funny it's funny when she has to help him too Mm -hmm. and they both like suck at it you know yeah but anyway okay off he goes to the super cool rocket lab Let's talk about the rocket lab. Real quick, let's talk about the scientist who is like so nerdy poindexter guy it's even funny and is just like, the, the, the rocket's about to explode. Superman, the, the nuclear warhead. I'm going to run for my life now if you'll excuse me. And I'm just like, <laughs> this guy understood the assignment, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, he really knew how to steal a scene, right? Yeah, d- Whether completely. or not that was good, whether or not in a good way or not, that's up for debate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he stole it. You remember him for sure. Yes. Meanwhile, there's like, there's rockets going off in the background and Superman has a great, like, I, I, I understand, go. And then he's going to go deal with it. Bad guy camper is outside. They're watching, um, waiting for this thing to like basically blow up on Superman and then they'll crash through the grates and shoot him with the big bad gun and that'll be the end of Superman. Meanwhile, it, it's a 90s effect. The show does not have the budget for a good thing. This was TV in the 90s, whatever. I think the effect of him walking into the fire and doing whatever he does in like the exhaust engine there is kind of cool. We don't get big superheroic things much in the show, so when, we, when they try to, I really appreciate it. What were your thoughts? I thought... Uh- 
listen, it's a nice reminder that Superman is otherworldly, where he can just walk in the line of fire, literally. Mm. And it's like, oh, that's why you are the protagonist, because you're super. So I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. You know, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good moment, a good reminder of that. In general, like, I know you've seen all the Marvel movies, and I, I think it's fair to say your your knowledge of, of Superman is maybe not as complete as your knowledge of Captain America at this point or somebody like that. I mean, why would you say that? <laughs> does, the, does the kind of, like, all-powerful general-can-do-anything-ness of him bother you or as a viewer or is it is it exciting to see or like you just like don't care because he can do anything i don't know that i think about it that deeply because it's such an old character it's and what he does and his capabilities are set in stone kind Mm. of right Mm -hmm. it's not like there's any new interpretation of that so i just accept it for what it is i mean I guess I always kind of struggle with how perfect he is and he is never he's never morally gray there is nothing about him that makes you stop and wonder and but those are the things I find interesting in characters and in development and in plot and the fact that his whole thing is that he's just quote-unquote good just makes me want more i like, get I want that more of an ex- exploration yeah like what were to happen if he had a moment where he morally lapsed what if he got discouraged by the state of the world which made him question things like mm. and in that way the fact that he's super and he has all of these abilities like sure he still has them but how are you using them? How is it affecting what you're doing? And how is your mindset affecting those skills? And I think that's just what I've always wanted from Superman. Mm-hmm. I understand that's not the point of him. He's a hero. And when you want a hero, that's what comes to mind. Um, but I guess that's just, I don't know, maybe that's just not my vibe. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, I think, too, for the most part in media the times they've tried to show the chink in the armor or whatever with him mm-hmm. have gone so badly, um, have been the, the Zack Snyder movies, have been, you know, things like that, where it's just, like, it feels so false that, that mm-hmm. it, like, it, it, I think it's a real tightrope with him. Obviously, there are comics that, that tackle it very well, but also, like, the animated stuff that, that we grew, you weren't watching, but we grew up with in the 90s and early 2000s, like, it takes a very talented storyteller or group of storytellers in that case and a deft hand, but like you can have those stories with him and, and debate um, what happens when he's too invested or, or see something wrong and, and whatever. Actually the new show Superman and Lois does that um, really well. We're like, uh, I, I'm thinking of a scene where like the army is literally shooting him with kryptonite bullets and for a second, his head pops up and his eyes are red and he's like about to, he's angry. Whether he's about to lose control or not is like kind of up for debate. But it's just like those little moments I think are wonderful and remind you like the power that he's kind of like holding on to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I totally, like, it is so not the point of this show at all. We'll never get into those, like, little intricacies. And the few times they do do it on this show, it rings so false because they've never really, they don't really take the story time to justify it, if that makes sense. Well, they don't take the story time to justify a lot of things. (laughs) They just kind of, as a viewer, they're like, listen, this is what it is. You believe that. And you're like, okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So I would never expect that level of depth from a show like this and you don't need it for a show like this necessarily um so that's fine yeah there, there was an episode uh, two episodes a couple episodes ago um where lois got um wrongfully convicted of killing a guy and she's on death row and like from the onset in that episode he's just like i'm gonna break you out of here I'm, i could break you out of here at any moment and the minute she gets like like actually the verdict comes in and she's been found guilty Superman breaks her out of jail and I'm like there's because he was so ready to do it from the beginning there is like no escalation to this there's no like specific thing that that turns him and says that he'll do this or whatever and like she's the whole time almost more protective of like the Superman thing than he is she's just like they're gonna know it's you like this you can't do that you know that type of thing Mm -hmm. it's just like I'm saying they don't spend the time to like really get into it and and debate whether what what it would take for for Clark Kent Superman to go there? So it it just rings false. So I I think the safer thing for people is to just accept him as holier than thou and try to tell a story around that. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Because I think like a, a similar character is is Captain America, but I think people have a much easier time with him. A because he's not as powerful, but B like we've had twenty really good movies with him involved in one way or another and when he like Civil War you kind of understand the two philosophical sides of where they're both coming from like it justifies it a little bit better yeah I think and again everybody take this with a grain of salt because I'm so much less familiar with Superman and I'm not trying to shit all over everyone's favorite guy over here (laughs) but i just feel like with captain america especially with the marvel movies that frankly i think are so sophisticated in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. captain america yes he is wholly and fully moral but they take the time over movies and years to first of all make you really make you love him from where he starts and you see him navigating something that is so foreign for him, mm-hmm. you know, when he jumps forward in time. Spoiler alert, lol. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and he's, and it just gives him a whole new plane of um, difficulties. And then he's introduced to all the other Avengers and he butts heads with, um, with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And there's just all of this different nuance and different i guess i just i don't know i guess i just feel like the stories are more resonant and interesting because like i can't relate to superman in any way yeah i'm not super i'm not that moral i'm like uh i just i can't i don't have that so but what what i like about captain america and the backdrop of marvel is he has all of these other characters to Mm. bump off of and it makes it more, I don't know, it's more interesting to me. Last thing I'll say on this, back to those like animated shows I was talking about. The best versions of Superman 
or some of the best stories they tell is in, in a Justice League setting where mm-hmm. he's got those other people to bounce off. Mm-hmm. And y- you see more of his flaws or his, um, you know, like his preconceived notions about people or, or how an event's going to go or, or like, you know, they're starting to work as a team and he's just trying to do everything but he's like, because I'm faster and more powerful and they're like, well, that's discounting everything we can, you know, like let us be here to help, you know, like it, it's it's really good storytelling in that world in that yeah, way and, and, and something like you're saying that, that the Avengers obviously has made b- billions of dollars, perfect, first of all, but like really great stories out of but that's fair because I didn't really take the Justice League into account, and because I, that's super interesting too, where it's like Superman has never had to contend with people of his caliber. Yeah. And oh, this is what teamwork is. Right. The insane blah, blah, respect blah. he has for Batman, despite the fact that Batman isn't superhuman, but like will will defer to him when it comes to strategy or whatever, like that type of thing. Yeah, and listen, I just want to end on one more thing so everybody doesn't hate me because this is a Superman podcast. Would you stop? You're fine. I just... There's so much value and merit in a superhero that is just good and it's just fun. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you're in a really dark place, that's what you need. Right. And especially I can understand if you're someone that grows up with these comics emulating that and seeing yourself as that in your daydreams and it's just fun and it's just nice and in it's just more escapism in that way than the marvel universe will ever be totally agree that's that's why i still resonate with this dumb goofy ass show where i'm just like (laughs) they're gonna shoot him with a ray and then he's then he's gonna make up with his wife after they had a fight and you know it's just like yep that that's all I want. That's why I love Smallville growing up because I'm like, look, he's just like me. He's going to high school too, you know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Um, the Ethan Chip um, monologues to his brother here again. Uh, you know, t- talking about identifying with Cain and Abel, blah blah blah. Um, and then Eric, the the nerd, has to explain to him that like he he's a big plant. He's powered by the sun. So like maybe we should shoot him in the dark next time or something. does he say that or no that no he doesn't that would have been amazing <laughs> they really dropped the ball there. no that's how i explained it to now to... i will forever just think of superman as a big plant <laughs> that's how i explained that makes it me to, love uh, him on another level <laughs> my fiance and friend of the show uh cat who's just like well where's the power come from like well he stores it you know like a plant he's photosynthesizes she's like okay okay, okay. <laughs> Anyway, meanwhile, Lois Lane enjoying her first byline as editor and fucking chief of the Daily Planet. You never forget your first. Absolutely love it. There's a couple little um, cameo Easter eggs here in the byline, too, that they zoom in on. Uh, One of which is Ray Jeffers, who was the prop master of the show. So clearly the art department threw that in there Mm -hmm. for him. Kind of cute. But Clark, Superman... (laughs) whoops Clark comes in uh tells her about what just happened and she has a moment of like well is is Superman okay and I'm like why are we pretend like you're alone in here right you know like this is kind of weird um but then they get into this whole fight here um about like how Clark is like I know the the presses are behind it and he still can't prove it so she tells him to drop it again and 
blah, blah, blah. She has a great line here where, um, you know, you're not the only one who fights for truth, justice in the American way. In fact, as I recall, I'm the person who coined that phrase. I'm just like, I fucking love that. Weird bit of continuity from season one, by the way. Mm. And, and kind of, I don't know. That's really hard to hear in 2022, by the way. The American way thing? Yeah, it's. I, I we, don't, we don't have to. Let's not go there. But. Well, so much so that it is now truth, justice, and a better tomorrow is, oh, is his official slogan. And I love into it. Into it. Yeah. I'm into the change. It was weird. They announced it over the summer during like their DC Comic Con type thing mm-hmm. last summer, I guess. Mad. And um, I instantly loved it. And I'm like, oh, fuck, the internet's going to explode, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Internet didn't explode. Internet was instantly had the same really? reaction of like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure some corners of the internet that you and I will never go into exploded. But for the most part, people are like, great, moving on. You know? Cool. <laughs> it love was that. Yeah. Love that for us. Great. Um, yeah, that, I, I did like that moment. I like that she is so able to... She's just so... Um, his equal, if not ahead of him in terms of wit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if she weren't, like, what are we doing? You know, right. He can't be the best at everything. So I like that they give her those moments where she can get him. Yes. And that, that, that is, like, so season one Lois, too, where she had the wit, but then he'd come in with, like, the kind of make sense thing and whatever and like it was that was the balance that they had it's nice to kind of go back to that for a second because it's so hard to find them in a real argument right now since they're married and i love that like you're talking about escapism it's something i fucking love about this show but well, it's, it's nice when they get to do it genuinely for a second well speaking of which too they say in this scene this is their first fight and i mm-hmm. wrote ever ever <laughs> since since married they've fought before Okay. They've absolutely <laughs> fought before. You think she took having to find out about his secret by herself well? Because she mm. didn't, and nor mm. should she have. Interesting. Um, but I like it. Like, she calls him out for kind of moping at dinner. Um, I, I love this other line, too, of just like, I think the real problem that you're having is the fact that I'm the one wearing the tights in the family. Pants. I mean pants. And I'm the t- <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. He breaks great. a door on the way out. I think I think it's really fun. Big baby. Yeah. I'm he's, still on his side, but he's a big baby. He's a big baby. I, I just I love that you're on his side. This is not how Well, again, still at this point, yes, because it's that again, I said it before, it's she's become that which she hates storyline, but yes. it's too quick. Like, isn't she the most stubborn hard-headed reporter out there and she can't even why can't she articulate better to clark her reasons behind it because she knows exactly where he's coming from right he doesn't know her side but she knows his because she's been in both positions so it just feels like maybe it's because she's new at the job and she's still learning how to do it but it's mishandled maybe we'll give her some grace because it's again her first time doing it but I think that's where I'm coming from that I'm that it's missing for me Mm. I also was just thinking too like there is a simple rewrite that changes nothing structurally that that would make more sense where like early on she's giving him a little bit of a leash but she's a little annoyed she's getting more and more pressure and then like eventually she's just going to be like sorry we're cutting the story like you don't have anything yet 
and like that leads to the fight where it's just it would be less of what you're saying where like she's instantly like turned it on and she's just now going like i guess these are kind of some of the sacrifices i have to make in this role or something yeah but i i think if they had done it that way they wouldn't have been building the tension between them for the entire episode and you do need that for the entire not as quickly you're right you're right. It right. would be it would be more of a like coming to a head thing, and maybe that would feel false too. Who knows? And then I think maybe it would be even more rushed than I feel like it already is. So. All right. Well, once again, Brad Kern did a better job. So. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, Clark wakes up alone. She fell asleep on the couch, which, um, currently living with a, a screenwriter on a deadline, I I <laughs> understand very well. <laughs> not 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 in the fight aspect, but it's just like sometimes your spouse has got to work, man. Um, uh, oh, I have a prop note that I'm not going to bother you with. Do it. Uh, there are so many different letterheads to the Daily Planet right now. There's no consistency and it drives me nuts. Oh, I hate that. They're using the season three and season four letterhead interchangeably. They look very different. They just didn't print enough newspapers of the new one, so they don't have enough props laying around. That's what's happening. It's fine. In this episode, there's two different types and it drives me That's nuts. That's not fine. Anyway. That upsets me. And in an episode where the prop master's name is on screen, no less. Wow. That's upsetting. Anyway, thank you. Whatever. Thank we'll you. go along and get along, I guess. So. Thank you for understanding. <laughs> I'm, I'm on your side. <laughs> um, they have like a weird breakfast, not together, but like in the same kitchen. Um, she asks, like, are you going to ride in with me? He's like, no, I got to go fucking work with Ralph. And she's like, all right, well, bye, I guess. Like, they're both just like really petty to each other. Mm. Okay, now I'm on Lois's side. Now, now the tables have turned, and it's the turn this tables. Scene. Okay. Because you say they're both being petty. Lois is the only one of the two of them that is even attempting conversation. That's I'm sorry. The fucking silent treatment, Clark. Very true. The silent treatment. You're the absolutely right. Treatment. I take back what I said. You're absolutely and right. The only reason she cops a toot is because he is being an asshole. Being I'm a dickhead. I'm copping a toot too. Yep. I mean, look it up therapists and throwing them throwing their numbers at him to to save this marriage at this point because (laughs) that is manipulation so this is the moment where i'm on lois's side because now he is not communicating if they're talking about it which they have been this entire time then we're getting somewhere then we're making it work but now i'm like oh fuck off you are so immature i just Mm -hmm. can't i can't defend you anymore welcome to the party (laughs) 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 yep i'm with you i said they're both being petty you're totally right she she's she's kind of olive branching here and he's just like fuck off mean lady yes but and she's the one who's trying to separate church and state yes we're home now we usually drive in together we We don't hate each other Yeah, he's the one that's fucking up this marriage. Yep, so. fair. In fairness to them, the one time they were in couples therapy, it was with a supervillain, so... <gasps> oh, they they were in therapy. Interesting. Well, they went to a couples retreat posing as a couple to stop a guy from doing a Noah's Ark plan. Oh, that's As you do. This happens. You understand. Um, <laughs> but that's that's really the only therapy they ever got. Um, meanwhile, I, she's back at the Daily Planet feeling... Lonely, she stops by her old desk, sees a picture of them with her Kurth Award or him getting his, whatever it was. Um, I like this little photo of them. I love seeing season two Bob 
Terry Hatcher there for a second again. Um, Ralph shows up with like his hair piece, like he's moving into his her desk. Is there. that what that was? I, I assume. What I was thinking, what is the wig and the mannequin head for? There, there's like there's that? like a wig on a foam head, and he's bald, so I assume okay. it's his hair piece. Okay. Um, we've never she seen gets back to her office as her door is being repaired and blah blah blah, and then Martha shows up, knowing that she wouldn't have time for to buy her a cup of coffee, so she brought her her usual order which is just the cutest fucking thing to me. And then Jonathan goes to the house, talks to Clark. There's this whole intercut conversation here. And I love every second of it. Yeah, it was great. I I love their dynamics. Um, Yes. They're doing a whole like, yes, I remember it well thing where like (laughs) first we're with Jonathan and Clark and he's like, oh, our first fight, you know, sucker punched me is knocked down drag out. I don't even know what it was about. And cut to Martha. He bought a truck without asking me. Like, I love that she's just, like, fucking on it, you know? It's a whole thing. But it, it's very cute. Martha's big line is, just because you're not partners right now doesn't mean you're not on the same team or not still a team. Perfect. That, that's that's what they needed to hear. I love it. Mm-hmm. Mother-in-law uh, of the year award. Truly. And as she's leaving, too, you know... I've always wanted what was right for my son, and now I want what's best for my daughter, too. Fucking Very cute. lump in my throat. This is the <laughs> shit I love so much about the show. I love how much they now mean to her, because like she kind of thought they were the hick whatevers the first time they met, and by the end of that episode, she's like, your parents are pretty fucking cool, Clark, <laughs> and have just become you know kind of surrogate parents to her ever since then. I, I just, I love it. It's enough to make them eye each other across the newsroom. It's enough to make Lois uh, reevaluate Clark's story and be like, uh, Jimmy, where were those like phone calls that Clark asked you for or whatever from Eric? That Press? she has for some reason. Like, that were left on Jimmy... her desk. Yeah, I don't know why Jimmy wouldn't bring them right to Clark. Would it... he ever have brought the notes to Perry that Lois had asked for? That no, it was such a, like, he was just there at the same... It was, it, because plot, I It know. worked, but it was a little clumsy, but it, it's not the worst thing in the world. It was okay. Um, meanwhile, like Clark at Clark's desk, Ralph is going on about a meeting with this, you know, mayor storyline who gives a shit. Um, I have to call out some set dressing here. Like, I think the photo on Lois's desk is great. Did you catch the photo on Clark's desk of the two of them? Mm-mm. It is straight up a promo photo from the show <laughs> where like they look great. She's in like a leather mini skirt and Angora sweater and it is like, all over him looking like you know the hottest tv couple in town and i'm just like were these your engagement photos like what the fuck is <laughs> so they couldn't just like schedule a still photo day and give them something a little more they <laughs> never do it almost every photo you see on this show that's like framed in their apartment are promo photos for the series and it drives me fucking mental is is that not of the time though i feel like people really started to have an eye for that kind of realism in set dressing Maybe in the early aughts? I, I mean, yes, maybe, but there's part of me that's just like, I don't think you'd ever get away with this on, like, a Law & Order at the time. Like, this is this is people just going, like, eh, good enough. You know, like, we're not going to get them together to take a photo on a picnic basket or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, uh, but wh- while I'm looking at the photo, Clark is superheroing an emergency at the Rocket Center, and off he fucking goes. Um... Uh, Lois is realizing that 
uh, on the phone calls, Eric Press had called the modem of Star Labs and probably hacked into Star... Jimmy starts hacking. It doesn't fucking matter, but they realize that they've got the proof they need. It was the presses all along, whatever. Reporter hat on. Yeah, exactly. Everything comes together very quickly. Superman's at the rocket lab. The same guy is there just going like, holy shit, it's happening again. Superman's like, what the fuck? Yeah. We really should have gotten rid of that nuke. Um, the bad guys are, well, whatever. Chip is tormenting his poor kidnapped brother here with the typewriter gag. This had me cackling. Tackles him to the ground, straddles him, and on the ground, Eric's like, no, no, not the typewriter. And he starts, like, typing on his face. And goes, not the return! Not the return! It just slaps him across the I was cackling. It was it was just so brotherly. Just like that's how you are with your siblings. And even in the like this villainous plot, there's always time to torture your little brother. To torture your little brother. So much so little brother's had enough. He gets the super duper gun and tries to shoot him, but uh, Eric pulled out the one little part that's really really important on it. So. Yeah, let's pretend Trenchcoat guy showed him how to do that before he was disintegrated. There must have been a manual in that giant sure. fucking case that it comes in. You know, whatever. Yeah. That's the act out, by the way. Weird ass act out. Yeah. Not shit that I would have ever cared about watching it as a kid, so it means nothing. It meant nothing to me then, but now watching it, I'm like, oh, that's how we. All right, well, it's HBO, so we're just going right into the next one, but whatever. You know, <laughs> you know this is where hacking's happening. Like,. Jimmy's like, oh, fucking sure enough, they stole Superman's uh, medical files and they probably know how to depower him. And, and, like, Lois goes off looking for Clark and, like, throttles Ralph, like, where is he? <laughs> and Ralph is just like, it's, it's all about rockets. I don't fucking know. Leave me alone. Meanwhile, missile silo time. Again, you were so blank faced. It's not even funny right now. <laughs> I'm I like, love, uh-huh. Yes. I love seeing him. They built a big-ass missile silo set. You know, the bottom of a missile silo. He... Pulls the paper mache warhead off of the top of the missile. He puts it down the mile long trench under the place and lets it explode and like uses all his might to keep the lid down so that defours him. I'm like, the superheroics of this for the time, for the show that we're on, really fun for me. I like seeing that suit run around and do shit. That's really all it comes down to, but I think it's rad. This is the opportunity they need though. The bad guy's closing the lid on him. The, you know, lid to the missile silo. He's depowered. And they start shooting him with the gun. And son of a bitch, it fucking works. It's not going well. I, I don't know. Like, have you seen a lot of shows from this era recently? Did these effects take you out of it at all? The effect on him? Or it just, does like, take me Superman? out of it a little. I don't know. I don't often go back and watch. Anything I watch from this era probably isn't super action-packed. Uh, so it does feel... Listen... They, they don't shoot people with, with quantum disbanders on whose line? Uh, only in one episode that I can oh, remember. Okay. I haven't seen well. it in a while, sorry. Yeah. I, I just feel like this whole, oh, you're going to be mad. I thought it was a little thin. I thought it was very quick. Fair. It was like, oh, the gun's working. Oh, now it's not working. No, oh, fuck. now we're tied up. Fiend. Yes. <laughs> it's like, Fiend. Okay. So, but I appreciate that this is like what Superman does. And it's like, this is the climax of right. everything we've been building to. This is the master plan. 
uh, and then it sort of works and maybe he's in trouble, but now he's not in trouble and then he wins the day. It's like, okay, I, I, I see the, I, I see the way it works. I hear what <laughs> I you're saying. It's, it's also this show where like, I'm used to it going quickly because they don't have the budget and they don't give a shit story-wise too, too much about the superheroic stuff. You know, like, it depends from episode to episode, but, like, usually it's a pretty big wrap-up, and they've got time for, like, five expensive shots for them, and that's what they do, you know? Yeah, I I almost feel like, I wonder how things would be were it not, uh, like, a a procedural in this way. Like, if they had taken time to develop these stories over several episodes, Mm -hmm. and really, like, if Chip were the villain of the season, I'd be (laughs) all for it. It would be a lot of fun. We never really get that on the show. It was before that kind of serialized storytelling in in genre shows like this, really. Well, they had Lex Luthor that was the... Yes, he was recurring in season one and they got rid of him, but also not every episode dealt with him. There wasn't like some grand plan he was working to. It was just like, I'm trying to do this evil shit this week. Oh, fucking super. God damn. You know, like that's basically what they did every time. And I also recognize that that probably also stems from the fact that it is a comic format. That's what comics are, right? They are um, standalone. No, I'm wrong. No, it really depends on the era. Like any more, it's it's kind of long form storytelling every month. Um, whereas like the the '60s and that type of thing, which is a, what a lot of the tone of this superheroic stuff is based on, uh, was very much what you're saying, where it was just like, uh, you know, Superman turned green this episode. Uh, it'll be fixed by the end of the issue. Don't worry, kids. You know, like that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, then fuck me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Go, Superman! <laughs> you're, you're fine. Save the um, day! I love that, like, when he's weak, Ethan is monologuing yet again, and he's just like, of all the people that want to take you down, it's fucking me, some spoiled rich kid. Like, Lex would be proud. And just so the, self-aware. You gotta, the, you gotta applaud that. Hey, love that. But just the mere mention of Lex makes Superman be like, oh, fuck this. And he laser eyes the thing and it breaks, you know, the lid opens up or whatever. Lois comes crashing in on the Jeep, like right in the nick of time, too. It's just, it's all fun. I like that the trigger for him was like, fucking Lex, you know? (laughs) Anyway. Um, Cut to Lois's office. We're reviewing the proof for her final edition of the Daily Planet as editor-in-chief, I guess, with the the presses now behind bars and all that. Uh, they're arguing about giving each other credit on the byline, and Perry stops by, and I, I like how he approaches it of just like, look, I, I just gave you this promotion. I'm not trying to take it away from you, but like, what if we both had the promotion? <laughs> yeah. Here's why I'm upset with this episode. Please. Just the one reason. Because we've been so kind on it. This whole time. First of all, she's had this promotion for three days, mm-hmm. I think they've established. Okay. And Lois turns out to be wrong because plot. She's the one oh, who's like, about you know what? about the, the press yeah. thing? Yeah. You know what? I got the promotion, but Clark, you were right. With the biggest argument of the episode, I'm in the wrong, and you're right, so we do it your way. It's like, what have we all learned, everybody? Like, what happened to Lois being the one deserving of this promotion, the one we knew was meant to have it, and Clark is the one that's like, oh, you're right, honey. I shouldn't have said no. 
it's upsetting. It's weak, lazy writing, and Lois deserves better. Justice for Lois. Continue. I, I couldn't agree more. Feminist think... rage! <laughs> That's what I wrote down. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I also think, I think the character of Clark Kent deserved better writing here, too. A hundred percent. I don't fault the characters. It's the writing. I, you, we can only take it on face value, though. And in that case, you know, Clark's kind of a dick in this episode in my eyes. And, and you're right that she just is a hard ass all of a sudden for no reason. So mm-hmm. whatever. Um, anyway. But you'll never guess everybody. Lois wants her job back and gives Perry his <laughs> job back. And it's almost oh, like the last three days didn't happen. Yeah. So that's lucky. Yeah. Introduction, I believe of this brownstone apartment sets patio though wait we missed the oh are oh, we not going back to talk about crazy oh we've been skipping it this whole time okay, i mean we'll like it. it's, no, it's the beat at the end yeah, that no, we talked about earlier I'm, done. I'm over it I, I, can't, I can't find the effort to podcast about it um <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk about the patio <laughs> it's the first time we're sipping wine on the patio um and talking about like yeah scary how quickly things fell apart and naive of us to think that it wouldn't affect us i'm like all right we've learned the lesson here at the very least and i like her line here of like you know realize she wouldn't want to be the editor again anytime soon i belong with the action is which is usually with you and i don't know nobody's watching he super zooms them inside the lights go out fade to black you need to go back oh please I have another lore question. (laughs) Clark is seen sipping wine. Uh Uh-huh. Explain. Is he affected by alcohol? No. Okay. He's not affected by alcohol, calories, anything like that. He truly gets his energy for the sun. He eats for pleasure. So he doesn't get buzzed. He just likes the taste of... He likes the taste of having a glass of wine with his lady. He... When... She used to go I mean, over to same. his, his apartment. <laughs> when she used to go over to his apartment before she knew, she'd be like, "It's all like cakes and donuts and hostess. Like, how the fuck do you survive? Like, why do you look like this? Basically, you know? <laughs> why would that be all he bought? So he can taste. Okay, so he can taste. He but can the taste, but like, tr- um, calories don't affect him. So like, all he eats is junk food. Okay, and f- so and fermentation means also nothing. Also nothing. Sure. You'd have to get some sort of hybrid kryptonite that was grown in a vineyard or something to Ooh, get him drunk. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I'd Go with that. that okay. There's there's a cute thing on the uh, the Flash TV series where his scientist friend makes him like this super concentrated shot, basically, so he can get a little bit of drunk, you know, for like five minutes. That's fun. Yeah. I want to watch that. So like, I think Superman would need something like that. But with, with that season four tradition. They go upstairs and bone, and we fade out. End of episode. <laughs> Everything's all is right in Metropolis again. You know? <laughs> so, Stasia, let me ask you a few questions. These are going to be some heated questions for this one. Was this a good episode for Lois yes. Lane? Oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, God, no. no. I think you know. I think you know why I say no. I I do. Do you know why I say yes? Yes. This is fun. I do know why you say yes, but you're wrong. Fair. Okay. Fair. I just, <laughs> I feel like I failed you because I, I was like, it's a good Lois episode. She gets shit to do. Like, Maybe it's because you 
painted it as Clark was going to be such, like, so out of line mm. that I was expecting it to be worse. Yeah, fair. I get that. There's also part of me that's like, as a fan, I can see a future where she eventually becomes the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet and likes it. So I like seeing her in that role for a second, even though it doesn't go great and she doesn't want the job right now, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like taking the time to kind of weave that idea in a little bit. Sure, but based on the events of this episode, <laughs> yeah, I can't. That will right. never happen because she crashes and burns. And again, it's not Lois's fault. It's the way they wrote it. It's the way they wrote it. I get it. I'm just in another situation. I see this being the future for her, and I like it. But sure, if listen, if it was a different episode, it would be a great episode for Lois. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> okay, so was this a good episode for one? greatest reporter in the world apparently mr clark kent mm, this is a tougher question to answer i'm gonna also say no because all of the all of the moments in which i am on his side are completely negated by where he ends mm-hmm. and then where the story wraps up so i'm not into it yeah. i want to see him be a better more understanding partner to her or and try to help better, her. Yes. Or just more nuance of mm-hmm. conflict. Yep. Like the silent treatment. Come on. That, Give me more. Absolutely. Was it a good episode for the man of steel himself? Superman. Mm, sure. I think so too. We, yeah. we get superheroics. We spend a lot of time on, on effects and that type of... A lot of time. I know it's quick. But we have a few... <laughs> two big, like, effects set pieces things play into Superman lore. I think it's fun. Yeah, I got nothing bad to say. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and favorite Lois and Clark moment, scene, whatever. Like, between the two of them, you'd like to talk you something about the characters you didn't expect, whatever it is. Hmm. I don't know why I'm explaining it. Like, you've been here before. Yeah, I forgot we did this, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Favorite moment between the two of them? I'll, I'll go. Okay. I liked her calling out the fact that he was uh, negating, like, the importance of her role with that, you know, you're not the only one that stands for truth, justice, the American way. Mm-hmm. And, and we get a reference to the fact that in season one, she, she does come up with that. So I'm like, great. All around awesome moment not lovey-dovey for them but i like her standing up and being like you're not the only fucking badass in this room you know yeah that's a great bit um i think i like them right at the beginning of the episode where really nothing has happened yet (laughs) (laughs) like so essentially you're like i like them in any other episode, basically? I like them in theory. <laughs> I like them before this episode happens. No, but what I mean is, when they first discover this hurdle of one of them will be promoted over the other, it mm. is nice the way they begin the journey of the episode of being supportive of each other. Okay. Until it all unravels. I get that. That is, that is the nice lovey-dovey part of this episode, you're right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, with that, hey, Stasia. 
Hey, man. I mean, you never know what will happen here in Metropolis. But if that's a series podcast wrap on Stacia Kimler, <laughs> claps, first of all. And I can't thank you enough for putting up with this twice. Thank you so much, man. Listen, I will watch Chip be a villain again and again. We so. have to watch a Who's Line now at night. Literally anytime you want. Done deal. That, that'll bring over a bottle of wine tonight. We'll do that. Ah, oh, yes. Love Hang it. out. Cool. Awesome. So truly, we're not saying goodbye to you all. I'll probably see you this weekend or the next. But love you. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Till next time, for Lois and Clark, I've been Matt Truex. I've been Stacia Kimmler. Folk off, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman, is a daily knockoff production. Please review us on iTunes, follow us on social, and we'll see you in Metropolis. Yeah.